This is The Other 14 Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Other 14 podcast, the only podcast that forgets all about the so-called Big Six and focuses just on the other 14 teams of the Premier League. And game week 37 is done and dusted, but the fate of the other 14 is still yet to be fully determined. We've had European qualification confirmed for both Newcastle and Brighton, and Nottingham Forest have found themselves safe by completely ending Arsenal's championship title run. But Leeds, Leicester and Everton still have it all to go for in game week 38. This week, as always, we're joined by Tom. Hello, Reese. Hello, Tom. Um, Tom, we said it was going to go down to the wire for a very long time, but did you fully expect it to be three teams left to fight out for one spot of survival on game week 38? I had in my head that it would be that case. I mean, considering where we were, roll back the clock, what, say 10 game weeks ago when we were like match week, what, 29, 28, something like that. We were um, talking about this battle for relegation and they're going to potentially be nine teams that sort of scrapping it out. I mean, Ultimately, you're hoping that it extends onto the, the remaining part of the season and having sort of so many teams battle it out. But the likelihood is, or the likelihood was, that there was always going to be that sort of last game week sort of scrap um, between sort of three or four teams uh, for that final spot, as you've mentioned. And it just has effectively come down to obviously Everton, Leicester and Leeds. And the fact that we are going to be losing one of, and this is no start on Leeds, but the fact that we are going to be losing one of Leicester or Everton, I just did not have that at the start of the season. No, um, I, I think... It's nuts. Yeah, I think at the start of the season, we probably would have looked at, or Leicester being a European spot contender for the last yeah. four seasons, then Everton... The only thing it'd be interesting to see if we just go back and listen is that Obviously, they have changed manager, but we were—I feel—we were quite sceptical about the appointment of Lampard. But we did think they'd done some all right transfer business. Hmm. But obviously, things have unfolded throughout the season where it's put them in quite the tricky spot. I still um, don't think that they would have been in this position had it not been for Sean Dyche sort of coming in. I think. I think he, yeah, I think had they, they not they made been, that change, they would have gone by now. Been gone. Yeah. Anyway. And first things first, over to Tom with the classified results for the game week. So here are the classified results for game week 37 of the Premier League 22-23 season. 1. Brentford, 3. AFC Bournemouth, 0. 1. Fulham, 2. Crystal Palace, 2. 1. Aston Villa, 1. Wolverhampton Wanderers, 1. Everton, 1. One. Nottingham Forest, one. Nil. West Ham United, three. Leeds United, one. Brighton and Hove Albion, three. Southampton, one. Newcastle United, nil. Leicester City, nil. Brighton and Hove Albion, one. One. Well, 
they are some very interesting results and uh, some vital even just points picked up there for Everton and Leicester. But uh, we'll go into those in a bit. Um, Tom, let's start off with the best news, the biggest news of the other 14, the European successes in terms of qualification. So at the start of the season, had we had said Newcastle were probably going to break into that group of, oh, they'll be challenging for European spots. Obviously, as their tremendous start and throughout the season went on, it became almost as if Champions League qualification was a certainty. But then... They had a little blip at the start of 2023, but they've pulled through. And as of their draw against Leicester on Monday night, they will be playing in the Champions League next season. The music will be playing. I'm I'm a little bit jealous. That is such a tremendous thing. It's Um, a fantastic achievement. I think there were probably a lot of people would be looking going, well, of course, Newcastle should be getting Champions League football. Look, they spent a lot of money. But I have to say, one of the things is if you compare Newcastle now to 18 months ago under Steve Bruce, they were relegation. They were fighting out for relegation. They were barely picking up points. Now, Eddie has taken over. They've got new owners. They've bought in a good number of... uh, not. Sorry, they haven't bought in loads of players, but the players they bought in have all fitted in really well. Eddie Howe's yeah. developed the squad that they already had. I'm looking at players that have come on leaps and bounds like Miggy Almiron and Joel Linton. And now, Champions League football. Um, it's just a remarkable success for Eddie Howe, isn't it? Oh, it really is. And, I, you know, he, he'll be absolutely um, lapping up the plaudits um, for the sort of end of season awards. I mean, there is I, I would still consider him probably one of the top 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 um one of the top candidates for the Premier League manager of the season. I think there's a whole host of other managers that do sort of can be nominated for that. But the, the job that he has done uh with that club is is just brilliant. I mean sometimes when you see these teams that obviously got all this this money that are you know huge financial backing and you sometimes, well, it doesn't really matter what manager sort of comes in. They're, they're, a lot of it is with the players that they've got there will always put on like put on a show and get results. But I, I still think there is an element that Eddie Howe has got his own sort of um, stamp on this side. And the players that you've already mentioned as well, you know, no one's expecting like a cult sort of season from sort of Miggy Almer and from, from his part this year. Um, and the development of, I think even you know when Bruno Gimarish came in, even though it was obviously an Eddie Howe player, he has developed, I think, under Eddie Howe and is sort of really, really shone this year. Um, and Eddie Howe making some really, you know, really shrewd signings um, during the um, during the season, during the summer. Um, the likes of Nick Pope coming in, just he has put together a real, real fighting force um, up in the northeast. And I think, you know. Even though obviously they do have the money, they have not gone out and bought what you'd call like Galacticos. You know, they haven't gone sort of like that typical sort of football manager style thing where you, you know, you you go for you go for the billionaire takeover type approach and just sort of buy just they, they didn't do a Man City and buy in Rubinio. No, exactly. They haven't or they weren't sort of rumoured to spend hundred million pounds on Kaka. Um yeah, they've they've done it the right way um so far. 
Um, and I think Eddie Howe deserves a huge amount of, of plaudits for that. I mean, that atmosphere on, um, what was it, Monday night, that, even though that was a nil-nil draw against Leicester and you were hoping that they were going to win to absolutely seal it off in style, it just felt like a little bit of like a homecoming type atmosphere. Um, you know, there was the likes of what Alan Shearer in the crowd, there was also Nobby Solano just sort of watching on. I mean, some of these players who just sort of, the last time that Newcastle were in the Champions League, what was it, like 20 years ago? Yeah. Um, just to see this new generation of Newcastle heroes um, sort of taking their side into the Champions League. I think it's just a fantastic story. Yes, even though they have the financial backing, I think the way they've gone about it this year and the sort of acceleration of progress um, has been sort of really, really fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that's obviously gone in their favour this season is they've pretty much Apart from a tremendous League Cup run where they got to the final and unfortunately um, unfortunately, that didn't work out for them yeah. at Wembley, they have pretty much been able to focus on the Premier League week in, week out. And that has obviously been hugely to their benefit. They've not had to worry about much midweek football. They haven't had to worry about travel other than the fact that they have to travel from Newcastle for every game, yeah. uh, every other game. Um, but they have to say, if they're going to be going into Europe, you're going to look at them and go, well, if they need to bolster their squad, but they've, they've got the funding to it. It's, it's not like if certain teams, when they qualify for Europe, you go, oh, will they be able to cope Like yeah. with that many the additional games? You get a minimum of six, six group games in, initially before Christmas. And then depending on how far you go, you get more, obviously. Um and normally you say, oh, do they have the squad to make that work? Well, Newcastle at the moment, with their current squad, I would say potentially it could be a little bit tricky. But all they'd need to do is make another kind of three, four additions of the sort of quality that they've already bought in. Yeah. And suddenly you're going, well, depending on the draw, but you go, if they get to the knockout stages of the Champions League, you wouldn't be surprised. Oh no, no, no. Um, and you know, there's a there's a few sort of big names that obviously, especially from English football, that won't be um going into into the Champions League next year. You're talking about the likes of Chelsea and you know, most likely Liverpool now. Um, those sort of teams are sort of becoming a miss. Um, who's not to say, depending I think they go into as far as I'm aware, they go into pot three, uh, I think for the for the next season, uh, next season's draw. Um, so it's it's not the worst pot to be drawn out of for your first season back. They could end up with some really tough. They could end, they up, could with end a up with really some absolute shitters. Absolutely, but for your first season back, do you mind? No, not at all. All they care about is at this point, I guess, they would be looking for a couple of good nights under the floodlights at St James's Park. Jordan's a lot of trip to the San Siro. Yeah, exactly. But at this point, I don't. Th- yeah, and some European away days. But I don't think yeah. at this point, Newcastle fans. In is imagining anything more than or thinking about anything more than oh we're in Europe they don't care about how far they go through at this point oh, no. because obviously the they would want to is... go and lose all their group games 3-0 and like completely splash out but that's not that's just that's not, not going happen. to happen no yeah um but no tremendous absolutely tremendous uh form from Newcastle being able to pull away yes there have been other teams that haven't been quite up to the standard but to be honest they they won't care. They shouldn't it. care. They've deserved it. They've turned up week in, week out. Only five losses across the season. That's nearly Fantastic one of the lowest effort. apart from Man City's. Like, it's tremendous. So, well done, Eddie Hausman. Um, 
obviously the, the next bit of big news is Brighton, a team that has been typical throughout the season, been ripped apart, and but somehow they just keep putting it back together. Tremendous results, tremendous performances from their squads that somewhat, I'm not going to say makeshift, but in terms of put together on a low budget with a manager that not many people had heard, well, not many people had heard of at all before his appointment. And they are now guaranteed a European spot, whether it's Conference League or Europa League will just depend on... Um, no, they've secured, they've secured Europa. Is it Europa? Definitely for sure now. Yes, yeah. it is. Sorry. So they've definitely got Europa, um, a Europa oh. League spot. And that's tremendous for them. Looking at how teams in recent years from the Premier League have done in the Europa League, you'd imagine that Brighton, with them, with Brighton, you'd probably look at a squad and go, oh, a very good squad for the Premier League, maybe overperforming at this point. But with their magic ways of spending money and buying bizarre players for 200,000 and turning them um, into... Like, they... You wouldn't surprise you if Brighton go and sign three players from Venezuela who you've never heard before, who then turn out to be absolutely phenomenal. So once again, Brighton, I think, can set their sights on having a really good European campaign next season. Yeah, they'll have a lot of fun with it. You know, first ever trip into the Europa. I mean, you know, this is the, Brighton's highest ever finished in the Premier League. We're talking about a season for the absolute ages for Brighton. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, the fans absolutely will be enjoying the ride as it stands. Um, I, like, I mean, like you said, Deserby, I think, you know, he's called it his biggest achievement in football. Um, for that, you know, obviously Brighton qualifying for Europa and it was just a fantastic atmosphere sort of last night with the draw against City. I mean, what 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 better way to do it as well? I know you'd rather also like to win it to sort of seal it in style, but to draw against the champions in a sort of what was an absolutely thrilling game. At home um, as well. At like home in front as well, of in front of your own fans. Um, ultimately, yeah, City, you know, potentially were severely hung over and, you know, Pep's playing Pep Roulette, um, sort of saving up his, his legs for, for a Champions League final and an FA Cup final. But still, it's a draw against the champions. Who cares? You know, absolutely it, um, wonderful result. And then Sasha Wonder Girl to absolutely um, sort of seal it off as well. And then, Europa theme at full time just to sort of you know bring out that atmosphere right at the end was just absolutely fantastic um I think also stats wise I had 20 shots against City oh um, it was an absolute like from what my understanding it was an absolute crazy game yeah they had 20 shots Man City had uh had 13 like, City they, had they had went to face to- more than 13 in the league all season exactly they went toe to toe with City um like is absolutely incredible, great, and that is the attitude that Bourne, uh, sorry, that's the attitude that Brighton have shown all season against every team. Fearless. Yes, yes, they've had games where they, like when they lost to Newcastle the other week, it was obviously like, well, well, not the strongest showing. Yeah, but they've approached every single game pretty yeah. much the same. Absolutely, go for it. No compromise on style. No compromise on play. Yeah. Um, just go out to win and. Mm. You know what? They very much truly earned it. After after the season they've had, had losing players in the transfer window, having their manager pinched it, partway yeah. through, losing Trossard in January, and now they've qualified for Europe. Brilliant effort, like yeah. Brighton hats off. My only fear for them would be the probably inevitable of the summer of you know 
teams coming in and absolutely sort of ransacking, ransacking Brighton. Really, the likes of McAllister, Caicedo. Yeah. But like, this is something we've discussed yeah. previously with Brighton as well. Yeah, but like they, realistically looking at their the squad, Cole Will is only on loan at the moment um, from Chelsea, but you never know with Chelsea, they might want need to get him off the books. They probably need to get him at this rate. Yeah, Caicedo's probably going to go. There'll be people looking at Mitoma, I guess. McAllister, World Cup winner, probably there'll Especially be Ferguson teams well. looking at him. Um, but, you know what, that's just a great opportunity for them to just completely stick to their guns, yep. reinvest by skimming the unknowns of the uh, unknowns of the scouting market, yep. pulling out some quality. And you know what? If they were to finish mid-table next season and have a good European run, I think that it would be a very good thing for Brighton. I don't think they could be too upset with that. And they've got a manager that, once again, you'd hope that Deserby's not going to get picked up at this point. No. Um, but once, but but once again, you kind of could look at Brighton and go, well, if he does get picked up. They've probably got someone else we've probably heard already of got lined up. up. They've probably got, and that is, and hopefully they can make this a more sustainable model than Southampton did. Obviously, we spoke about Southampton's relegated last season, uh, last week, and about how they went through this bit of a cycle of new manager, yeah. new players, recruitment, and it seemed sustainable for a bit. Let's just hope that Brighton are one of those teams that can learn from that and really push on. They've got European qualification now. Go and have a party next season, but make sure you're developing in the right way as the same time and don't suddenly go and I'm not sure they would go oh we've got money now let's go spend 30 40 million pounds on players because that's no they're going to stick to their guns and it's been working so why why should you change it absolutely absolutely Absolutely. but no um brilliant from them well we just mentioned how Brighton were able to get a point against the Premier League champions and they were crowned champions because of the absolute mayhem that was down at the city ground on Saturday um, Tayo Awanyi has hit some absolute stellar form of recent weeks. I'm not, not sure. Any, I'm not sure any of his finishes have been good, but they seem to find the back of the net. Um, he seems I mean, to be that the, was such a typical finish from him as well. Yeah, I mean, he it, seems to be the most clumsy forward, like similar to in the way that none of their goals are clean finishes. Colton Cole always used to score goals like that. They they found the back of the net. They crossed the line. But it was never really pretty. And I have to say, Onye has done this a number of weeks now. He's been able to get a good number of goals. And this most recent one, 19th minute against Arsenal, completely killed their title hopes. It was looking like they were relying on City to lose some games. Yeah. But losing at the City ground, Forest then guaranteeing their Premier League safety. You love to see it. It's absolutely tremendous for Steve Cooper's men. Yeah. Um, I think we had at numerous times written them off. But you know what? We, we were wrong. Um, they managed to pick up points. They've managed to go week after week now, picking up some vital points. The city ground, as we had said at the start, was always going to be their fortress. And yeah, well done them. Tremendous survival. And it confirmed now that all the pre- all three teams that got promoted last season have stayed in the Premier League. Um, Tom, yeah. you did you did a bit of stats work on this earlier in the season in your stats corner, but this is now the fourth time this has ever happened? The fourth time, and we'll be dipping into that a little bit later with our stats corner. Um, but yeah, first time since 2017, 2018, that that's been the case. Um, so, so what do you make of Steve Cooper's effort? Obviously, 
hodgepodge squad. Not of spend went into it, um, but he's made it work. Steve Cooper has had to put up with a lot this year. Um, you know, more so the fact that you know he's had a absolutely shit ton of players come in. I think it was like twenty two in the summer, and then an extra couple in 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 the January window. Um, and there's been absolutely no time for him whatsoever to try and get any sort of fluidity with that side. It always, nothing, nothing ever seems to flow with Forrest, but they somehow just keep managing to pick up results. And I think the biggest thing for Forrest is that they just showed a little bit of faith in Cooper. The fans backed him, the board took that to heart, um, and they rewarded him halfway through the season with, uh, what was it, a, a contract extension to, what was it, 25, I think? Um, so and it's it's clearly worked. Um, questions now sort of remaining over the fact that you know what happens next season. There's going to be obviously I think a few players that might be on their way out. I think the likes of Brennan Johnson could be sort of potentially nabbed uh, from teams higher up in in the league. Um, and the question remains. I mean, Cooper has done an absolutely stellar job with the chaos that has been behind the scenes at Nottingham Forest. Um, they obviously went on a little bit of a run, uh, sort of post World Cup. Then it sort of tailed away a little bit, and they were just starting to think, oh, they're really dragged into the, the relegation battle. You were starting to think, oh, is this, is this it for Forest now? Can they, can they actually sort of pull out of it? Um, but sort of weeks gone past, Forest's form has been sort of um, quite tremendous, really. I, yeah, they've well, had got, three wins in their last five games, and that's one, the only, and I only had one head, loss. Yeah. That is quite 10 points from their last five. That is really what has got them to safety now. A tremendous that, run from them. Yeah. That's how you do it in a relegation battle. You know, that, you that's how you pull them. yourself away, just winning games at the right time. Well, and this is what we said. Like all the teams down there, no one was showing a huge amount of quality. All it took was all it's taken for the teams that have pulled their way out just have a couple of games on the bounce where you pick up some positive results yeah. and suddenly you forget about it. Obviously, it's game week 37, they secured survival. So it's not like it's been a while now. Um, and also, you necessarily, four or five weeks ago, you wouldn't have said, oh yeah, Forrest are going to get the win at home to Arsenal. You would have gone, oh, that's going to be a tricky result considering Arsenal were title contenders. Yeah. But... You know what? A little run there. All the teams that have now from that group of nine that you mentioned earlier, all the ones that are now safe, is they all done the same thing. They all just picked up a like three three wins in five or thereabouts, and yeah. there you go, safe. It's almost as if like, well, lads, if you'd done this in January, you wouldn't have even been in part of the conversation. Exactly, um, and it but, just you know just 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 yeah, sorry, it just goes to show you, you know that even though yeah, it's a bit of a cliche that the, the Premier League season it is a marathon and it's not a sprint. Um, and sometimes it does pay to be patient. That's exactly what Forrest has done with Steve Cooper. My only question would be now, does he have the same amount of credit going into next year as he did this year? So in that sense, if he, if the squad stays relatively the same or if there has to be like an exactly the same sort, I don't think they'll have the same type of transfer window um, because I think I now have a crux of a Premier League squad. It will just be sort of minor additions here and there. Um, does he have the same amount of credit next oh, year? The only thing is this this owner is very unpredictable. Yeah, it's quite volatile. Let's be honest. Uh, I don't Hattis. think I don't think Cooper is in charge of the transfers at Forest. No, and I think that's and there was the, exactly and the statement that was made it not that long ago from the owner was 
we haven't changed, made a managerial change because there's no one better available. The cynic would read into that and go, well, if there's someone better available, are they going to go and appoint them? And I'm not saying there's necessarily anyone better for that job than Cooper. No. But there are two fairly big managerial sackings that happened in the season. And you do currently have a Brendan Rodgers and a Graham Potter available, which I think football fans in general could potentially consider better than Cooper. And if yeah. there, if the Forest owner is a lunatic like we know he is, you, I, yeah. you can't no, rule I it get, out. Which, is, which, which I personally think, give Cooper again, give him the season. Um, yeah. I don't unless obviously you're in March and you've got three points, but at that point you're already down. Um, but I don't, think that, terms, I don't think that is going to be the case. You're going to have a bet, a more regular Premier League season. That's not going to be uprooted because of some people want to go kick a ball out in Qatar. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, I personally think my advice would be: you keep him, you keep him for the season, and you maybe give him a bit more control over the transfers rather than the kind of "oh, we'll take them because they're available" approach that has been adopted throughout this season. Yeah, that that's that's yeah, I, I'd agree with that. That's that's a good good way of putting it. Yeah. Um well Forrester safe, but there are three teams that very much aren't. So Everton, Leicester, and Leeds. Everton picking yeah, up yeah. a 99th minute equalizer via Yerry Mina against Wolves has helped them a little bit. And they, out of the three of them, would you would consider that? Well, they are the only team with their fate in their hands. Yeah. Leicester, that unsurprising, like, well, sorry, Leicester, that surprising nil-nil against Newcastle at St James's Park. I could have won it right at the end. I know, but the fact that Dean Smith didn't start Madison or Barnes was it's a bit daft. It wasn't though, because you could he was going for the draw once again. He effectively made the decision to take it out of their own hands that they will rely on other results. Yeah. And then Big Sam going back to West Ham um, took the 1 0 lead via Rodrigo, but obviously wasn't enough. A, uh, a European finalist, West Ham, just turned up and put them to bed. So, Tom, one game week left. We thought it was going to be this tight. Yeah. Explain to our listeners what the potential permutations of results are, who could stay up and who could fill those final two spots and go down. Right. So let's paint a picture. So in 19th, you've got Leeds, who sit on 31 points. They play Spurs at home. Then in 18th, you've got Leicester, who are also on 31 points. They play West Ham at home. And Everton in 17th, in the wonderful 17th and safe position that that is, they have 33 points and they play Bournemouth. So they've all got home games, which I think is absolutely crucial um, to stand any sort of chance uh, for picking up points. So, but Everton to remain safe, a point could do it. I mean, they could, they could still, obviously, they still have. Um, a two-point advantage over Leeds and Leicester. So even without um, a point, they, they're still technically safe, but then that does rely on Leeds and Leicester's results. Um, Everton win, and then that's completely done. It's settled. However, Leeds and Leicester need to win and rely on 
the result at Goodison Park to stand a slight chance of staying up. I It's not looking likely, but you know how final day sort of antics do go. There, there's always sort of the, the, the up and the downs and sort of the, the constant updates of the Premier League table. Um, it is going to be interesting, very interesting to see how it play out. Looking conversely at the teams that they do face against, you've got a Bournemouth side who are safe and very much on the beach. Leeds play Spurs, who are still vying for a Europa League, uh, European Conference League spot. And you've got West Ham, who, like you said, are European finalists and looking to keep some form of momentum going um, before that final in Prague. Ultimately, I think Everton, obviously the heavy favourites, I think Opta has them at like 15% chance of going down, whereas like the likes of Leeds and Leicester are like 85 to 97%, I think, is what I saw. Um, and the fact that Leeds and Leicester are being described as the media, uh, being described by the media as on the brink um, is never a good sign and never something that you want to see for your team, um, unless it's obviously going for the title. But um, yeah, it's um, effectively Leeds and Leicester need to win and then hopefully, and effectively hope for the best of whatever happens at Goodison Park. I, I think it's really tricky. Um, obviously going to be very difficult to predict. Bournemouth, you say, are on the beach, but I don't think they would want to end the season on four straight defeats. No. And, and that's that's then the challenge, because I think Bournemouth, although teams are on the beach, I like West Ham were on the beach in theory against Leeds, but they still, t- they did, it was the final home game of the season. They turned up, they represented, they played really, really well. In terms of opponent, I'd rather be in Leeds position. I... I would rather be Leeds than Leicester, but I think Everton just having that advantage of they've got those two points on yeah. the others. Um, yeah, I think Leeds against Tottenham. They're at home to Tottenham. Tottenham who are, how do we phrase this nicely? Um, utter shite. Um, <laughs> who absolutely have no backbone at the moment. Yep. If anyone's going to get a point against Tottenham, it is or get three points against Tottenham, it is big Sam Allardyce yeah. at the Allardyce magnificent, uh, the magnificent That is big Sam, yeah. Exactly. I think Leicester have it hardest. Although they're at home to West Ham, which always seems to be quite regularly, West Ham v Leicester is one of the final games of the season. I think three of the last five West Ham Leicester played each other very late on. Um, I think. The challenge for Leicester will be that I think David Moyes still has a soft spot for Everton and will probably play a fairly strong squad. Although people go, oh, but you've got European play- uh, European final to gear up for. You don't want players injured. I don't think David Moyes will want to run the risk of... Um, I-, I think he favours Everton enough that he would want to see-, see a solid win go through. And also yeah. with his job on the line... Look, his job had been on the line if he was to finish on 40 points now uh, on 43 points and just bump up those couple few more places up the table I think that's what he's aiming for so yeah long the short back to it Leicester I think have the hardest job here then Leeds and then Everton just are in the driving seat but yeah looking at although history doesn't favour them Last three games, Bournemouth and Everton, um, Bournemouth have won all three. 
but were the last three with Frank Lampard in charge? Well, no, it wouldn't have been because Bournemouth have only just been promoted. But yeah, yeah, that that's a Recent tough history one. is not on their side. Um, I I'm prepared to not make friends on this podcast. I think I made my position very clear quite uh, quite a number of weeks ago that I'd be happy now, and I stated this at quite a number of weeks ago. If West Ham were to lose final game of the season to Le- uh, to Leicester, and that was to see Everton and Leeds go down, I wouldn't be upset. And I still I still hold that opinion. I just think that Everton, to an extent, deserve to be punished for their gross mismanagement of finances, players and managers over recent years. And Leeds... Did you know since Leeds sacked Marco Bielsa, they've won 11 Premier League games? That's nuts. They've only won nuts. Like, and they've now had three managers since. Yep. And think of that spend. And I, I think for me, it's a case of going from Bielsa to Big Sam in terms of your... We were just speaking about Bryson, about their commitment to a game plan and a strategy. And then you look at Leeds, who... They promote. They came up with this game plan and strategy of a certain like really aggressive forwards, like high energy football. Yeah, and the fact that they then skipped through now three managers on from B- uh, from Bielsa, and that's completely gone. I just kind of think, well, if you don't have the backbone to see, stick to a system and a style, then you. I mean, they're they're sticking to a but they're stick sticking to a system and style and then there's like this is clearly not working for us to stay up in the Premier League we're going to need to change something true but I think you you sack Bielsa and you get a kind of half-hearted approach from Jesse Marsh. Marsh yeah and then why bearing my big sound was available from the start why do you then go to Javi Gracia when I think if you gave big Sam Rather than giving him four games, if you gave him fifteen games, yeah, they would have been fine. And I even think yeah. Brassier got eleven points from eleven games, so you kind of think potentially a little hard done by. Um, also, I think Javi Grassi is going to be one of those sort of, you know, in, in seasons in the future where you sort of rewind back and think, oh yeah, Javi Grassi actually managed some games for for Leeds once. I completely forgot about that. He's going to be one of those types of managers. Yeah, I just think Leeds should have. If you're going to gamble on Big Sam, you gamble earlier um yeah but all incredibly tight down there and it just leads to a very very exciting final game week which we thought it was going to be yeah. i'm just very glad that west ham aren't involved in it <laughs> i'm slightly sad that chelsea aren't involved in it either it, it's bad that chelsea are only seven uh, uh well could potentially only be like seven points off the drop come the end of the game week that'd be nuts yeah okay anyway and now, while Brighton and Newcastle have secured their European futures, um, it's not just them that are striving for some sort of European finish. There is still, of course, the seventh place Europa Conference League position available. And we still have two members of the other 14 that could seek qualification, couldn't we, Tom? Exactly. We have Aston Villa, who sit in the driving seat at the moment. They sit in seventh, just a point ahead of Spurs. Um, so Villa on 58, Spurs on 57, and you still have the potential of Brentford um, knocking on the door of the, the last remaining European spot. So they sit on 56. So that's between them three sides. 
Um, so let's see what the fixtures look like. I was going to say, the permutations are quite strong here yeah. in terms of... So you say Villa are in the driving seat. They've got their final home game of the season at home to an already Europa League qualified Brighton. Yep. Um, then Tottenham, as we've mentioned just previously, have their final ho- final away game of the season away at Big Sam's Leeds. And then Brentford have a nice easy one at home to Man City. Uh, where So what are we saying? For Brentford to qualify... For the Europa League, uh, for the Conference League, they have to beat City. They have to do the league double over City. Oh crap! Yeah, they beat them at the Etihad. That would be them being forty percent of Man City's losses this season. Wow! Yeah. Uh, once again, we've spoken. Tottenham have a hard game against Leeds, and Tottenham are based on their performance against Brentford um, at the weekend. Whoa, Brentford. They don't deserve European football, oh. is the way I put it. One thing I'm not sure we have mentioned since we're talking about Brentford, Ivan Tony. I don't oh, think we've mentioned this. It's a little bit of an elephant in the room, is it? No. Yeah, I think we completely mentioned, uh, forgot to mention this. Um, so, Ivan Tony, eight month ban, will be back on the 17th of January, was it? Next, yeah. or 2024. That's half of the season. He's banned from all football activities. Um, so, but then, as we've said before, Wissa and Mboimo stepped up against Tottenham and phenomenal performances and put Spurs to bed. So there's obviously large concern and worry for Brentford, but at the same time, they've got a good amount of cover um, yep. there as well. So that's really interesting. But yeah, their final home game of the season against City... Um, not particularly ideal for them to try and win that for European qualification. City obviously do have their eyes set on a Champions League final um, against um, Inter Milan. That's the one. So once again, you'd say Villa very much driving seat, but yeah. it's not an easy game playing. No, all, all three of those fixtures are not easy fixtures. Um and yeah, I, I still fancy Villa as the favourites just because Spurs have absolutely no form and Brentford obviously going up against the champions. I think Pep will want to be keeping his players ticking over before suppose, the two uh, cup finals. I suppose the interesting... Th- oh, they've got the FA Cup finals, haven't they? Yeah. I suppose the thing is with Villa is if they had a three-point cushion, you'd expect them to completely shithouse their way through the game. However, one point might not necessarily be enough for them. No, I think they with- need to be putting in a performance. <laughs> Yeah, they need to they need to do something there, which is interesting because then if you have Villa completely going for it and not just shit housing their way through ninety minutes against a Brighton team that absolutely don't hold back, that could be the game of the week. It's quite a clash of styles, isn't it? It is, but they're both very like apart from when Villa do Villa things. Um, yeah, they both teams do go for it. Yeah, I think yeah, it's they do play really nice ex- football. I yeah. think it's going to be a really exciting game. I don't know if any of these games are televised um, on Sunday, but I have to say that would be probably the game that I would choose to tune into. So in terms of the televised games, by the looks of things, you have um, it's the relegation games, effectively. So oh, Leeds yeah. and Bournemouth and Leicester West Ham on Sky and then Leeds and Spurs are on BT. Okay, that 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 makes most sense, but because why would they put your... Robo Conference League, yeah, um, duel in there, but no, I think all in Villa's hands. 
It should be a really good game. I would just love to see Leeds beat Spurs just because it's Spurs. Um, although I do like the permutation, the idea that Leicester could win, Leeds could win, and Leeds could still go down. They could beat Spurs' final game, and yeah. that could still go be that for them. Yeah, which would be, be kicking the teeth, but um, exactly. But no, yeah. you know what? Um, and a lot of people have dissed the Conference League, but. It seems to have not been a bad thing for West Ham this I season. I don't think you should ever you turn your nose up to European football, is the way I'd view it. And I think for the teams that typically qualify, if you're going into that competition from the Premier League, you will automatically be one of the stronger teams in the competition. As we've seen with West Ham, have had, I think it could be quite honest, some really awful times in the Premier League this season. A rele- relegation battle at one point, they have not been good. But they are in the final of a European competition. So I think if a team like Brentford can qualify for that, or Villa, if Villa were to go into the Conference League next season, my expectation would be for them to win the Conference League. Oh, 100%. I think that they should be going to that competition, winning that. that. Yeah, like, exactly. They should with be with the a top. manager like Emery and the squad that they do, that shouldn't really... It shouldn't Emery do Emery down. things in a European comp. He loves a European comp, so like, I think it's a really good opportunity to bring European football back to Villa, which they so desperately need. But also, yeah. at the same time, I'd be really excited to see Brentford, which I assume would be their first ever time in European competition as well. Oh, easily, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But no, they're on, but, on knocking on the door of uh, 60 points as well, which is the first time they, um, if they were to win, obviously, against Brighton, would be the first time they've done it since 2009-2010. Under Martin O'Neill? Probably, yes. Fair enough. Well, another reason to stay fully engaged across all the results of Game Week 38. So, Tom, now over to you with the stats corner, looking into the survival rates of newly promoted teams in the Premier League. And welcome to Stats Corner. Yes, that scorer is back, offering you yet another helping of Premier League stats you never thought you'd hear and will take you at least a weekend's process and think, what can I possibly do with this information? This week, albeit short, covers the theme of relegation or rather lack of. So with Steve Cooper's Forest picking up all three points against title bottlers Arsenal last Saturday, Nottingham Forest secured their Premier League status for another season. As I mentioned earlier, the first time they've done this since the 95-96 season when Frank Clark was a manager and Ian Wine was their top goalscorer with 12 in all comps. But what this leads me on to is that with Forest safe, it means that for only the fourth time in Premier League history, all three newly promoted sides have secured safety in the top flight and lived to fight second season syndrome. It's been a surprising one too, as all three sides, Nottingham Forest, Fulham and Bournemouth, you'd say were heavily favoured to go down at the beginning of the season. So the other three seasons then, so you've got 2001 and 2002, where Blackburn on 46 points, Fulham on 44 and Bolton on 40 survived the drop. That year, 36 points was the cutoff. In 2011 and 2012, saw Swansea on 47 points, Norwich on 47 and QPR on 37, all surviving. That year again, 36 points was the cutoff. In 2017 and 2018, Newcastle, who were on 44 points, Brighton on 40 and Huddersfield on 37, lived to fight another day in the Premier League. And that season, 33 points was the cutoff. So now currently, Fulham stand on 52 points, 
Bournemouth are on 39 and Forest on 37. So clearly out of those four seasons, Fulham this year have had by far the standout season. By uh, But they will finish still no higher than 10th, and which is no higher than the likes of Newcastle and Blackburn managed in 17-18 and 2001 and 2002 respectively. However, and here is where the beauty of Stats Corner comes into its own with using this information, if our current three were to manage a grand total of four points in this final game week, they would be holders of the best season by three surviving newly promoted sides. So combining all points together, 2011-2012 was the best season yet by the three surviving teams with 131 points. Second, 2001-2002 with 130 and then 2017-2018 with 121 this year, Fulham, Forest, and the Cherries have a combined total of 128 points. So we'd need four points from a possible nine to claim this majestic title. And the benefit is they don't have to play each other in the final game week. So all points are on offer. However, all three have away fixtures to end the term. Good luck to all. Well, with all that information now coursing through your heads, that about wraps it up for this week's Stats Corner. I will be back next week for a final feature this year, looking into stats relating to relegation. So do, so do join me for that. But for now, this has been Stats Corner. Tom, thank you very much for that. And that's really interesting, looking at the form of the teams that have been promoted. Obviously, we um, Fulham had a tremendous start to the season and maybe has tailed off a little bit, but still a very strong mid-table finish. Um, Gary O'Neill has worked wonders with Bournemouth as well to secure, well, 39 points, almost at the 40-point mark is phenomenal, and Forrest to just scrape through, as we've mentioned. Um, looking at those fixtures, though, Fulham away at Man U, Bournemouth away at Everton, and Forrest away at Palace. Four points is doable, but also it's doable. It's a bit of an ask as well, isn't it? I suppose it'll be a case of. Um, I think the game for uh, the game for Fulham will be significantly easier if, as of recording, Man you get a point at against Chelsea tonight. Because then, if they get a point, they're guaranteed Champions League football. Maybe exactly, they might yeah. ease things off. Final game of the season. Um, but I suppose final home game of the season at Old Trafford, they'd be probably wanting to put on a show. So if think so. Fulham still have to go and earn it. Um, Mitrovic on form since coming back from his ban. He is back on form. Anyway, um, tremendous though, looking at the teams of survival, the fact that they all survived and put in, the are so close to being the best performers, which considering two of them have been in a relegation battle for quite a serious portion of the season. Bournemouth have done a lot of heavy lifting this year, that's that's for sure. But yeah. I think Bournemouth have really come into their own and the Forest played on a good run of late. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for that stats corner. Um and yeah, I look forward to next week. And then Tom, we have had a great number of games and a fairly great number of goals this game week. So could you please tell us who your choice is for goal of the week? Goal of the week. Yeah, as you've mentioned, a fantastic sort of uh, array of goals uh, going in this week. And obviously, we've had a couple of catch-up fixtures. Um, so there has been plenty to choose from for myself uh, this week. So running through the shortlist that I have, I've got a grand total of about seven. 
that I've lined up. First one, I've got uh, Odson Edwards against Fulham. Um, nice counter from a corner. Eze sets up Edward. Oh, just quick mention for him. Eze, uh, Eze has a, a nice little call up for Gareth's uh, England's uh, squad in the next round of uh, qualifiers. Um, but yeah, Eze sets up Edward, who roughs it into the roof of the net. Lovely finish from him. Uh, we've got Rodrigo's against West Ham. It was straight from a long throw. It was Aladici esque. And then Rodrigo is simply there waiting for the volley to home uh, to volley home from about eight yards. Uh, and then same that game, we've got Depth and Rice's against Leeds. Bowen lobs one over everyone, and Rice is simply there to literally bounce it into the back of the net. A little touch of the roof of the net as it went in. Absolutely uh, sort of very easy in the eye. Uh, could potentially be his well, it will be his last home uh, home goal um, at the London Stadium. He, I've said it. Yeah, it probably, it probably won't said, happen now. Yeah, I was going to say you cursed it now for uh, all the yeah. fans that want him. Um, yeah. I think there's a probably a ninety-five percent chance that he's gone, but you never know. Football does weird things. Football um, does weird and wonderful things. I have to but... say, from that game, if anything, I don't think that was the best West Ham goal. I personally, well, think... I do have one more oh, goal lined up. Okay, go I've on. got Lanzini's against Leeds, and um, not because of Lanzini in the slightest. Literally because of Paquetta on the byline. Yes. He's um, the way he somehow gets it through those two men out on the right, past those two men on the right hand side. Yeah. Then as like foot rolls, absolutely foot rolls the Leeds defence and just puts it on a plate for Lanzini, who yep. one I think is another player that is will be his final game at the London Stadium. His contract uh, up. Does, so. does, does that mean much? I mean, no. Uh, to be honest, in the <laughs> nicest way possible to man uh, to Lanzini, he scored some absolutely tremendous goals for West Ham, but. Um, I'm not upset to see the back of him. His time's probably come to an end Absolutely. at West Ham. But no, um, sorry to have stolen your thunder on that goal. No, because, um, I, I really it was a lovely fi- it was a lovely finish. Um, and then moving on, we go down to the south coast. Now we have Evan Ferguson, who um, in this brace, this is the second goal of his uh, of his brace against Southampton. Lovely Matoma run, who sort of muscles off the defender, and then an outside of the boot cross to Ferguson, who then finishes it off. Lovely finish from him. Uh, who I think is now sixth goal, sixth Premier League goal of the season. So it's absolutely burst onto the scene. Uh, and then in the same game, we've got Pascal Gross uh, from the corner. Ball falls to him, and he takes his time over this one. He sort of jinx left, he jinx right, and then he just fires a low fizzer to the keeper's near post. Keeper potentially, you know, near post should be doing better, but it's a nice, uh, nice low fizzer as I've mentioned. Uh, and then Brighton again, but this time in their catch-up fixture against Manchester City. It's Julio and Ciso, thunder bastard. Well, given your brief summary of the goal, I have to say, I think there's probably um, one choice above the others which you're going for. And I can't blame you because I think it's uh, head and shoulders above the rest. It is head and shoulders above the rest. And as much as I want to try and vary it in terms of the style of goals that I pick, I have picked a few of these this season so far, but there's just something about a Thunderbastard that we all just absolutely love. And I have to give this week's goal of the week because it is a goal of the season contender as well. That's also that as well to take into account. Um, Julio and Cesar gets my goal of the week. Well, I think that is... Uh, I can't disagree with you. It, against the champions to guarantee European football, I think, yeah, absolutely worthy choice and spot on. Well done, Julio and Cesar. 
And then, Tom, on to our favourite part. Well, my favourite part of the show. It is the Fab Four contest. Go this on, is... tell me how it did. <laughs> For new listeners, this is the contest that puts mine and Tom's score prediction skills up against each other. And um, it's not been a bad one for either of us. It's fairly been an average game week. So looking at the results, Wolves beat Everton. We did not see the points being shared. You went for a 2-1 Wolves win. What I thought Sean Dyche's men were going to pull up something special with a 1-0 win. But that Yerry Mina 99th minute goal stole a point from you, Tom. Um, So nothing for either of us there. Then West Ham v Leeds. We both had a home win there. You going 1-0, me going 2-1, but us both getting just the one point with the 3-1 uh, win for West Ham. Then Brighton v Southampton, probably the easiest prediction we were ever going to make this game. Oh, yeah. um, Brighton won 3-1. Oh, you went 3-0, very close. I went 2-0. Um, if only Southampton... We, we forgot Southampton knew how to score. So one point each there. And then Leicester, uh, Newcastle v Leicester. We both thought that Newcastle were going to have a field day there. But I mean, according to the stats, I was close. But Dean Smith's the, the very goals. defensive approach there um, saw us both walking away with nothing. You having gone 4-1, me having gone 3-2. So, Tom, one game week left. You are on 57 points. I am on yeah. 63 points. So... Still within I mean, realistically, it's still mathematically possible, but you would have to have one of your best game weeks, and I would have to fall apart, which you know is very possible. Um, realistically, I have to get all four right, absolutely spot on. Well, no, because if you're going on at least you, you probably need at least you'd at least you need well, you need I'm at least two exact results more yeah. than I get. Before we move on to our Fab Four fixtures for the final game week, Tom, could you please tell us what games we have to look forward to in game week 38? So here we are, game week 38. It all boils down to this. Here are the fixtures for the coming game week, the coming and final game week of this Premier League 22-23 season. We have Aston Villa versus Brighton. Everton play host Bournemouth. It's Leeds United against Tottenham. Brentford hosts the champions Manchester City. It's Manchester United up against Fulham. Chelsea hosts Newcastle. It's Leicester City up against West Ham. Arsenal play Wolves. Southampton play host to Liverpool in their final Premier League game. And it's Crystal Palace against Nottingham Forest. Well, Tom, we've mentioned a lot of those pretty much throughout the whole of the episode because of the implication on the final league table. Um just looking at some results. Are there, is there a single game that doesn't really matter? Um, I guess Newcastle-Chelsea doesn't really change anything. Arsenal-Wolves don't change anything. And Liverpool-Southampton could change something depending on Banu's performance tonight. Um, and Palace Forest is a bit of a dead rubber. But the games we have to predict for game week 38 are... Aston Villa v Brighton, Everton v Bournemouth, Leicester v West Ham, and the Sheku Kuyate derby with Crystal Palace against Nottingham Forest. 
So, Tom, as always, the first fixture is your honours first. So, yeah. Aston Villa v Brighton. Aston Villa needs a win to actually guarantee some form of European football next season. Or they'd be relying on results going in their favour. Oh, I don't know which way to go for this one. I think Aston Villa clearly, I think, will be definitely up for this. I'm just not sure how Brighton will be. Brighton have been a weird team over the last sort of couple of weeks with a lot of the catch-up fixtures. They've been sort of in and out of form, but they've gone back-to-back with wins against Southampton. Uh, oh, no, I haven't gone back-to-back. They've gone, yeah, Southampton with the three points and then City with the point. So they've played well with that. But European football secured for them. I just think Emery will do everything he can to win this one. So I will go for Villa 2, Brighton 1. Villa 2, Brighton 1. Well, looking at recent results. So Villa beat Brighton 2-1 away last season uh, during at the Amex in November, which is interesting. Probably would have been one of. Would that have been pre? Would that have been Gerard still in charge in November? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And then. No, oh no, sorry. What was it? I thought Gerard went in October. So it might have been one of Emery's early games. Yeah. Potentially. Anyway, currently, Villa are four games unbeaten against Brighton. Um. <sighs> So you've gone for 2-1. I am going to go for a... I could make it close, but I'll make it more interesting by going for a Brighton win here. So I'm going to say it's going to be a 2-1 Brighton win. Yeah, converse. Yeah, Villa chasing the game and then Brighton get a a winner right at the end. And then Everton, Bournemouth. Everton in dire need for some points here to guarantee their safety. But Gary O'Neill's men look to avoid a fourth loss on the bounce to end the season, although they are safe. Um, I am going to go for a Bournemouth 2-0 win. I do like the fact that we're adding a little bit of spice into the relegation battle. I do also think that Bournemouth, sort of, in terms of recent history, I've discussed it already on this on this episode. Bournemouth have a good recent history against Everton. I think it's like three 0 three one, three one as the last three last three games. Um, so obviously Bournemouth like to score three against Everton, um, but I don't think they will in this this case. I think they're coming up against a strong Dyche sort of defensive unit. Um, I do think they'll score. I think they'll concede as well. But what have you gone for? You've gone for a 2-0. I'm going to go for a Bournemouth 2-1 win. You're going for a Bournemouth 2-1 win? Yeah. You think? I think he might do it, you know. I think Gary Ennell might actually sort of get this one over the line and just add a little bit of spice. I just think something about that game, Everton will, like, just not... They'll be up for it, but I think it will just... It will just prove to be too much for them. That is really yeah. spicy, I have to say. I'm I'm intrigued. So, bear in mind last see uh, last week when we went through the remaining fixtures of the season, you thought Everton were going to get all three points from this game. Yeah, I know, but something about me has just sort of changed my mind. Um, well, 
Interesting. Actually, you know, oh, I would have done no, that. No, you slopped in. I've done it. Yeah. And then Leicester v West Ham. Leicester very much need all three points here to um, guarantee them a chance of safety. Will they get it up against David Moyes' men? Oh, this is difficult to predict. Um, Leicester, I've not just, I've just not seen anything from Leicester at all. Um, over the last sort of coming weeks, I mean, they they played poorly against Liverpool. They were very much a, an anti Leicester in the game against Newcastle. It just wasn't the Leicester that you just know. Um, I think West Ham will be trying to keep some form going towards the back end of the season. Just their last game, yeah, what well, is their last game before uh, they head off to uh, to Prague? Um. So I will say it will be a West Ham win to put the final nail in the coffin of Leicester. And it will be a... I'm going to go for West Ham 2, Leicester 0. Leicester. And I like how you completely disregarded your prediction last week where you said... I'm just telling myself going to get all three points. Screw myself. Yep. Um, I can't go for another away win here. I think it's going to be unsatisfying for... No, I'm going to stick with, I want Leicester to stay up. So I am going to say Leicester are going to win 3-2. And then probably the game that matters least out of all these, Crystal Palace against Forest. Forest away from home are not great. I think it would be a nice way to say it. I'm going to say this will be a final game of the season. Out in the sunshine, Selhurst Park. I can always see there being goals at Selhurst. I'm going to say it's going to be a 4-2 Palace win. Oh, I like a 4-2. I think that's a good shout. I think it'll be goals. It'll be goals of plenty. It'll be an entertaining fixture of literally zero defence um, and just sort of that last sort of day at school type thing where just absolutely just anything goes. Um, I... Something in my head wants to go for a 4-4, but I just don't think that's going to be likely with just the fact that Forest don't score goals away from home. Um, however, I think I will go for a 3 all. 3 all. Yeah. Absolute madness of a fixture. You, you really, are you trying to win this? <laughs> no. Do you, do, you, do you realistically, like, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong here. But do you actually think that Forest Palace at Selhurst Park will be three all final game of the season and Why not? you'll get all three points from that game? Why not? You know what? I just thought, you know what? Logic has just not done me well over the last sort of 37 game weeks. Um, so I thought, sod to logic. Fair enough. Well, Tom, they are some fantastic pictures. And of course, we will be looking at the Fab Four in our episode that follows the final game week of the season, where one of us will be crowned as the, well, the Fab Four champion, I guess. Um, We just need to buy a trophy or a crown or get a £5 gift voucher for each other. They still do do crowns at Burger King? They must do. Also, other burger joints are available. Yeah, but one's better than the others. Yeah. One's the king. One is the king. Well, and with that, we are at the end of this episode of the Other 14 podcast. Tom, thank you for joining me on this week's episode. You're more than welcome. 
And thank you to everyone for downloading and listening to this episode. Please subscribe to us and give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice. Also do recommend us to your friends, family and other 14 fans. So it is a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. And we will see you next week to cover the final game week of the season on the Other 14 podcast.